0: bodies, to our minds, to our souls, God. We thank you for all that you do, God. Bless these that hear your word. and We pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that we won't just be hearers, but we'll be doers of your word. We thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and I thank God. Thank and praise God for another opportunity to stand before you. <clears throat> Our message this morning is going to come from John's Gospel, the fourth chapter. We'll begin our reading at, <clears throat> excuse me, at verse number 20. And it reads, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit, and in truth, and the woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. And when he come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I, who you speak to, am he. From these patches of scripture, I'd like to take for a title, Worship and Witness. Worship and witness. Mankind was created in the image and the likeness of God. And he was also created with a need to worship. All of us in this world will worship something. It's just a matter of the object of whom you're worshiping. You see, worship simply means to bow down, to honor, It means to surrender yourself to that individual. It means to come under the authority of that deity or whatever it is that you choose to worship. I don't know about you, but I've chosen to worship God. And I've chosen to worship God for plenty of good reasons. But the greatest reason why I choose to worship God is simply because he is God. He is the creator of the universe. As a matter of fact, he's the one that's holding the universe in his hands. God is able to do everything that you need him to do. And so I remember the old folks say, who wouldn't praise a God like this? Because when I begin to reflect on God and what he means to me, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. You see, because it don't take, doesn't take long for me to look down memories lane and realize how good the Lord has been to me. I, I, I can just go to last week and see how he provided for me. As a matter of fact, yesterday he gave me food on my table. He gave me a roof over my head. And when I left the house, the lights were still on. The gas was still working. The water was still running. And I got warm blood flowing through my veins. I got a reason to worship Him. Don't take much. I got plenty of reasons to worship God. So we were all created to worship. What are we going to worship? Matter of fact, who are you really worshiping? You see, sometimes, sometimes we, we, we come into church and we, we fool ourselves because th- this is really the only worship that we do right here. But we'll see in the text that worship goes beyond just church service. Worship is a lifestyle. You can't just surrender yourself to God on Sunday morning and do like you want to on Monday through Saturday. Because it's surrendering ourselves to him. It's coming up underneath God's authority. It's living our lives how he's prescribed us to live our lives. And if we're going to really be effective in our Christian walk, And when I say effective, I mean by by, by sharing and witnessing to other people. Then we need to make sure that we're worshiping the right one. Because understand, if we're going to be effective in witnessing, we must be effective in our worship. We must be willing to surrender everything to God. The problem is that most times we don't want to surrender everything to God. And God wants us to let go of some stuff. He wants us to sell out and to worship him and him alone. Did you not know that God said that I am a jealous God? And that you're not to worship any God other than him. And some of us got God teetered on, that, uh, on the brink of jealousy. Why? Because we're worshiping other things. When it was God the one that brought you out. It was the Lord that brought you through. It wasn't Kanye West. Some people are worshiping Kanye West. Yeah, they're getting it now, right? Yeah, you, you, you're getting it now. There's nobody out there that we should be lifting up to that degree. Parents worshiping their children. Them children will grow up and show you what you really mean to them. Husband worshiping wives and wives worshiping husbands. Don't you know that they will let you down? But as I begin to reflect, God has never let me down. No, 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 no. I mean that not one time has God ever let me down. I will go to God in prayer. And God may not work it out like I want him to, but he always works it out. And when I look back over the the situation, I say, God, you know what what was best all along. When I thought I'd do what was best, would have been a disaster. But God knows best. There's not been one time that I've gone to God and he's not done what I've asked him to do. He's not answered my prayers. And so why would I choose to worship anything or anyone else? Understand this. That your worship will always precede your witness. Did you get that? Your worship will always precede your witness. You cannot be effective in witnessing to other people if you have not come to a place of true and genuine worship. How can you get people to believe stuff that you don't even believe? can you get people to come in here to this sacred place of worship if you're not living in accordance to God's word and we might as well right now get it out of our mind that worship is just for Sunday morning worship is 7 days, 24 hours a day when we get up in the morning we should get up with a spirit of worship on our mind a spirit of saying Lord thank you That you kept me all throughout the night. Thank you that I did not wake up to some bad news. Thank you, God, that I'm healed in my body. Thank you for all that you, the provision you've given me. Lord, thank you. And then go out and live like you're thankful. It's one thing to be thankful, but it's another thing to live like you're thankful. You see, because when you live like you're thankful, you're obedient unto God. You do the thing that God has told you to do. Why? Because you have a spirit of gratitude, of thankfulness for what God has done for you. And so we need to understand that our worship is important. Our worship should always be in the forefront of everything that we do. Every decision that we make, we should do it worshiping God, thanking God, asking for His direction. So Jesus encounters this woman at the well. Jesus understood that he he must go to this area because he must encounter this woman. This woman is a Samaritan woman. The Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. And Jesus really, really should not have even been speaking to this woman. But he meets this woman, this... Samaritan woman at the well. It has been designed by Jesus. Jesus knew that she would be there and when she would be there. Because this woman, this Samaritan woman, shows up at the well at at, at a time that is not normal for women to show up at a well. She shows up in the heat of the day. And her reasoning for showing up at the heat of the day is because she did not want to be involved with the women who came early in the morning. It's because she had a checkered past. She didn't want to face the judgment that they would give her. Because you do know that folk will judge you even before they try and help you. But Jesus understood that this woman needed some help. She comes to this well called Jacob's well to draw water. She comes to get something that she needs. She really represents us. Because all of us come to Jesus because we need something. And I I don't know what your need was, but I, I know what my need was. I needed God to clean me up. I needed God to wash me thoroughly. I got to a place that I was just tired of living a sinful, wicked life. I got tired of all the regrets. I got tired of all of the depression. And I realized that there's only one that could do that, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, because I had heard the gospel preached, I had heard people talking about the gospel. And I kept pushing it away. There was something that I needed. Much like this woman, she needed water. She needed that which would sustain her physically. And she left with something that sustained her spiritually. Don't you sleep on that. I know you think you got all these physical needs. And we do have them. But understand that there's a spirit man that you need to be concerned about. We all need to be concerned about our spirit man. I've been been going to the gym. It may not look like it. Because I've been trying to work on this physical body. I've been trying to, you know, get myself fit. I'm getting older now. And I I need to make sure I'm, I'm in good physical condition. But there is a spirit man that's on the inside here that I feed daily. I nurture him daily. I make sure he gets everything that he needs on a daily basis. Because I realize that this physical body, as fit as it could be, is going to die. I know it's going to die. I can feel it every day. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer to the the, when they stretch me out in front of this, this pulpit. Getting closer to that day. But oh, I got a spirit man that's going to live forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's all because I came to him and I got what I needed. Keep trying to satisfy our physical man. That's what this woman came. And so Jesus provoked a conversation with this woman. He asked her, give me something to drink. This Samaritan knowing protocol asked Jesus, how is it that you're speaking to me as a Jew and me being a Samaritan? And Jesus said, if you knew who it was, if you knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would ask him for a drink. you just knew who it was, This woman didn't really know who she was speaking with. But Jesus identifies himself in this text three different times to this woman. And this is the first one because he identifies himself as the living water. Because he tells the woman, he said, if you just ask of me, I could give you living water that will spring out from your belly. Living water. And you'll never ever thirst again. Never thirst again. This woman still didn't get it. She said, she said, you don't even have anything to, to draw the water with. Understand that, that a lot of times folk don't really know. They don't understand Jesus. They don't understand what Jesus come to do. He began to further investigate this woman. And so he asked the woman, where is your husband? That's an odd question to ask. But Jesus knows what he's doing. You see, sometimes you have to ask yourself the hard questions to get to the right answers. He said, where is your husband? She said that I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, you, you said rightly there. He said, but the fact of the matter is that you've had five husbands. And the one that you went now, you're just shacking with him. You ain't even married to him. He calls her on the carpet. And understand that Jesus is not being judgmental here. Because Jesus knows what he's going to do concerning this woman. And listen, let me, let me tell you something that you know and when we do when you do go out and you begin to witness to people don't be so judgmental understand that everybody comes to Christ Jesus just as they are and we have a responsibility to give them the word of God and let them know what the expectation is when it comes from God's word but it takes patience it takes us working with them It takes the spirit of God moving inside of us and having that same compassion with them that God had with you. You see, we seem to forget how how, how patient God was with us. We, 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 We want to cast everybody into hell the first time they say something that we don't think they should be doing. Nowhere in here do you see that Jesus condemned this woman. Nowhere in the text do you see that he sent her to hell. But I come to find that that, that we send more folk to hell in the church than anywhere else. Instead of working with them. Instead of bringing them in. Instead of picking them up and bandaging up their wounds and, and nurturing them back to good health. Because it's there where they see the love of Christ at. That's where they see the love of Christ at. But when we have this eye of judgment and we don't want to see them come into the church, then you're wrong because this is not your church. This is not my church. This is God's church. And it is he the one that came to say, them which are lost. So be patient. Jesus said that you said rightly. You've had all these husbands. And this is the woman's reply. Verse 19 says, the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. This is is the second way that Jesus has identified himself. She sees that he is a prophet. She sees him as one that can see into the future, one that can see her current situation, even though he was not there with her. He sees something about her that he had no prior knowledge of. So Jesus is living water, and now she perceives that he is a prophet. But it goes further than that because Jesus is more than just a prophet, Jesus is the Son of the living God, He is the Messiah. And so after Jesus reduces her to a place, let's hear, to where she can hear him. Because right, right now she's at a place where she's been humbled. She can hear what he has to say. But even with her being humbled right here, she still is still being a little bit rebellious. Because look at her response. He said, our fathers worship on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. So what this tells me is that this woman has a little knowledge about religion. The Jews and the Samaritans were separated. The Samaritans were half Jews. They were half Jew, half Gentile. And each one of them despised one another. So they had two different locations where they worshiped God. I told you all of us will worship something. The Samaritan's area of worship was at uh, uh, Mount Gerizim. Gerizim. It was a mountain where they had erected a temple. And they would go there to worship God. And Jews worshipped in the temple in Jerusalem. But Jesus responds to her. He said, Jesus said, woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. Listen, this is what Jesus did. Jesus just took geographical location out of the equation. What he's not saying is that that you will stop worshiping God altogether. He said, there just won't be a geographical location where you'll worship God. So what does that do for us? That frees us to worship wherever we go. Everywhere your feet tread, you worship God. You ought to be a testimony for the living God. Because worship is eternal. It's that living water that's bubbling up out of us. It's us surrendering ourselves to him. It's us praising him. I dare you, the next time you get into a situation, begin to praise God right where you are. Begin to thank God for everything, all that he's doing for you. Begin to pray for your enemy right in their face. Instead of fighting, start praying for them. Start praising God for the situation. Start thanking God. Because we become locked in and thinking that this is the only place where we worship God. This is just a starter right here. As a matter of fact, this will be the second time you worship God this morning. We all should have got up this morning and said, Lord, thank you. Yeah. Worshiping God, giving them praise this morning. Yeah. And when you leave out of here, you ought to leave out of here praising him and worshiping him the same way. Because yeah. you will never OD on worship. Yeah. You can never worship God too much. Yeah. You can never surrender yourself to God too much. And that's 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 what's going on. This woman understood worship, but she didn't understand the way that it should be done. Well, Jesus says that you worship what you worship, you don't know what you worship. You're worshiping, but you don't even really know what you're worshiping. He said, but we, the children of the covenant, we know what we worship. Why? Because salvation is of the Jew." And it was. But even in this situation right here, God is showing that He's going to open up salvation to everyone. Because this here is a despised Samaritan woman that Jesus is having this dialogue with. And He's letting you know that He's going to open it up to everyone. It won't just be for the Jews. Because He has a new covenant that is coming. A new covenant that will be in the blood of Jesus Christ. It'll be predicated on Calvary's cross. It's because of his sacrifice that he's opened up the opportunity for us to come into the family of God. And he did this simply because he loves us. And what you don't understand, what the di- disciples didn't understand is that God loved this Samaritan woman as well. And I I say that to say that that, 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 that just like God loves you, he loves that drunk that's out on the street as well. He loves that prostitute as well. He loves that gang-banging, pants-hanging young man as well. I know you don't want to hear that. Because one of the main things we want to do is point fingers at people. We want to say, look at them. I gave gave this this testimony in in Bible study, and I might as well do it now. And I know that this is where God is leading me. I was leaving the church a few weeks ago, and I was backing out of the garage, and and if you know anything, in the evening time, sometimes it can get really rough in this this park over here. All kinds of stuff that's going on in this park, and I was backing out. And um, There was a car that was semi-blocking. And so when they moved, there was a gentleman that was helping me, assisting me, because it's pretty crowded out there, was assisting me letting me back out and everything. And so I was backing out. And as I was getting ready to pull off, he stopped me. He said, are you the pastor of this church? He was inebriated. He was drunk. But he said, said, are you the pastor of this church? I said, yes. He said, well, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to pray for me. I said, okay. I said, well, how about we pray right now? So I put my car in parked and I prayed for this young man. I prayed that God's spirit would move on him, that he would draw him by his mind. I prayed for his salvation. But let me, let me tell you, after I finished praying for this young man, and before I left off, he said, let me say this to you, Pastor. He said, I'm out here in these streets and I know I'm I'm doing what I'm doing. He said, I I know a lot of people. He said, but no one has ever taken the time to pray for me. You are the first one that took the time to pray with me. He said, I'm going to come to church. I'm still looking for them. But my point is, is that we cannot give up on people because they don't look like what we think they ought to look like. What if Jesus would have given up on this woman and have cast her away? But he didn't. He took the time. He had patience with her. And then he educated her on the things of God. Because he tells us, he said, said, but the hour is coming now when the true worshipers, that's key. Because if there are true worshipers, then that indicates there must be false worshipers. The true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. The question to be asked is, are we true worshipers? What, what, What does a true worshiper look like? Well, a true worshiper looks like Jesus. He responds to people like Jesus responded to people. And I might as well say this right here now because I hear a lot of this too. I ain't Jesus. Well, you ought to be like Jesus. And we ought to respond the same way Jesus responds when it comes to people who don't look and act like us. We have no right, no authority to cast anybody away. It's it's God the one that condemns. It's not up to us. I I don't know what it is. I I guess condemning people must just feel good to folk. Maybe it makes us think that we're we're better than what we really are. We'll just respond like Jesus responds. He said, he said, because why? The Father seeks them to worship him. Now he said that we worship them in spirit and in truth. And for a long time, listen, I had this wrong, because I thought this spirit here was actually the Holy Spirit. And it's not, because it's, 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 a, it's a small case. s, yes, And there's no definite article before it in the Greek, which means that it is our spirit. Amen. In other words, you have to get down to the deepest, most innermost part of you to worship God in spirit and in truth. It comes from the spirit. It does not come by the physical waving of your hands. It does not come by the running of your feet. It does not come by the speaking out and singing out loud. It does not come from the musician as great as they are. It is not about that. But it's getting down deep into who you really are and let God begin to bubble up inside of you that you might be able to shout the praises of God. It's not in how loud you yell. It's not in how many pews you jump and how many backflips you turn. No, it's not in that. It's deep down in your spirit, man when you start getting this burden to want to just praise God and and thank God for all of this listen let me tell you something I'm tired of people hindering my praise you see because I don't care how you look at me I'm going to praise him because you did not do for me what he did for me you did not bring me from where I came from he brought me from there So so when do we come through the doors of the house of the Lord? We need to check everything at the door. Leave it right there. We want to come and, and, and praise and worship a holy and a righteous God. I'm tired of us sitting down on our praise, on our worship. God has done too much for us. This 21st century church, God has blessed us. Each and last one, last one of us has come through the pandemic unscathed. Yeah, I know it's still going on, but you're here. God has brought you this far. He'll keep on taking you. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus is trying to fix some things in this woman. And just like he's trying to fix some things in this woman, he needs to fix some things in us before we can really do what he really wants us to do, God needs to fix some stuff. He needs to straighten out some stuff. He needs to take away some pride in us. God needs to humble us to a place to where we're surrendering to him. We're doing what he say to do. Listen, he said that God seeks such to worship him. And whenever God is seeking I want to be right there. I, I want to make sure I'm right there in that number that he's seeking. I want to make sure that when he comes back, i am worship him like he told me and, ta- and commanded me to worship him. That's what I want to be. So the woman still said that God is a spirit. And those who worship must worship in spirit. And the truth. And the woman says, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to him, I, who you speak to, am he. So Jesus now reveals himself as the Messiah. This woman understood that the Messiah was coming. She still really did not realize who Jesus was and so he had to tell her exactly who he was. Because what this woman is really saying is that, that, that Jesus, I hear what you're saying, but when the Messiah comes, he gonna straighten all of this out. Little did she know, she was talking to him. In other words, I have the final authority I am the one that you should be worshiping. I am the creator of the universe. I spoke all of this into existence. As a matter of fact, I set up this appointment with you today at this appointed time and this appointed place. It was me that brought you here. And I know that you, you, you thought that you, you, you chose Christ, but Christ set up that appointment with you. And you responded to it. You received what he did back on Calvary's cross over 2,000 years ago. And you believed on that. So now Jesus has it to the place that he needs her. Because now she's been broken. And the text, if you read further, says that she ran off and left her water pots behind. What she thought she needed, she really didn't need. She ended up leaving that behind. That she might go forth and be a witness to the people of her town. And the the text says in verse number 39 that because of her testimony, many believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see church, you can't get your witness right until you get your worship right. This woman was confused. She was dangerously knowledgeable. But yet still confused. And now she has a testimony that she can share. And people are responding. That's what effective witnesses, witnessing looks like. When you can testify of the goodness of God and people respond to it. Because it's by the aid of the Holy Spirit. In conjunction with your spirit. When you submit your spirit to his spirit. When you allow him to fill you with the fruit of the spirit. When you begin to exemplify and have the characteristics of Christ, the one who sent you. That's how we're going to be effective. You got to be willing to be compassionate you got to be willing to be patient. you got to be willing to love. To show joy, to show peace to people. To show all the things that Christ has given us through his Holy Spirit. And for the life, love of God, I can't understand how Christians can be unloving. I don't understand how we can be so, so unpatient, not have any patience with people. How can we be people who have no compassion when we benefited from it? Jesus gave everything for us. He gave us this example. He's shown us how we're to be effective in our witnessing by being effective in our worship. You take from here this message. Worship is for real. It is real. It is genuine. It's true. And it comes from within. Worship is not exclusive to this building. But it's something that we should do every day of our lives. Worship will always be there. Even into eternity, we'll still worship the Lamb. We'll still worship God just got to keep on worshiping and the witness will come. Why? Because people will see it rather than just hear it. They will see the change in your life and they will want the same thing that you have. We have to demonstrate Christ and not just preach Christ. We have to live Christ and not just give Christ. Live like we've been born again, like we've been blood washed. Because Jesus did come down through 42 generations with a purpose, on purpose. And the purpose was not his own, but it was his father. As a matter of fact, he said that I did not come into this world to do my will, but to do the will of my father. He suffered blood and died over 2,000 years ago, showing us how to live on this earth. They nailed him to a cross, nailed him in his hands, nailed him in his feet, put a crown of thorns upon his head and pierced him in his side. They beat him with the cat and nine tail. He suffered, I tell you, for you and for me. The beating alone would have killed most of us, but Jesus kept on going. He knew that he had a purpose in this life and that was to give his life for us. And Jesus went all the way to Calvary, the perfect example of what love looks like. He sacrificed himself. He gave himself. They buried him in a tomb, but on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. He sacrificed his life for us because he loves us. And the same love that he has for us, we need to have for one another and have for others. We need to have enough love to tell people the truth. And that is that the wages of sin is death. But there is a gift of God. There is a gift of God. Give you eternal life. Jesus is coming back. I'm patiently waiting. He's coming back. I can't wait. I, I know that he's going to come back because he said it in his word. And I want to be ready. I want to stay ready. I want to always look to him for my help. He's gonna rapture us away. Yeah. And then we're gonna come back with him after the world sees a great tribulation. Yeah. And he'll set up his kingdom here on earth. Yeah. And there we will sit with him and rule the nations. Yeah. But it's all because of Christ. Yeah. Christ is the one. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is over. open. open. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I recommend Jesus. I recommend that you come now. Listen here, understand this, that tomorrow is not promised to you.